In the city, we gon' slide, bet I be there pronto Me, my guys, we really lie Lord, forgive me, pay my ties Please don't have me reach inside And that's in the console Keep the semi when I ride Little penny when I drive In the city, we gon' slide Bet I be there pronto Let people hear that, yeah, man. What up? What up? What hey, up? Hey, we live. Hey, what's good? <laughs> it's your girl Toya back in the building with y'all. It's a beautiful Thursday night because I'm literally in the same room with my brothers. And y'all know how often that does not happen. I think the last time it happened, we were uh, at the NAACP Awards. And so it's been a long, long time. I'm, I'm glad to be here with my guys. And I'm going to let them talk about themselves who I'm here with. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> George Lee, a.k.a. Conscious Lee. Don't forget the Clee. You know, I said Clee. Don't forget <laughs> yeah. the Lee. You know, uh, yeah, the ConsciousLee.com, man. Workshop facilitations. I'm ready to get it get it going. Absolutely. Hey, it's Damo, the political plug. Making sure everything right on the technical side. Y'all let us know. Make sure we're coming through clearly. You feel me? Make sure there ain't no uh, reverb, no echoes, none of that. We're trying to make sure it's yeah. all good. Uh, and we also about to be coming through on Facebook. I mean, we just getting that right, but we in here. We have to bring y'all show, regardless of how late it was. We, it's, of course, we got to do a show with Lee here. We got to do it live. So we appreciate all y'all that joined us, and we're ready to get into it. That's it. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and start it out uh, with what? What we decided to call this? The vibe chat. We're gonna go ahead and call this the vibe chat. I want to be sure, and really, it's an opportunity for us to talk about some of the biggest stories that are happening around us like we're gonna weigh in real quickly and just kind of move through them but there are a couple of things that we we just want to kind of throw out there and see if y'all feeling or how y'all feeling about this uh first is the jackson mississippi water crisis i don't know if y'all knew about what was going on in jackson if y'all been keeping up with it but this week in jackson mississippi and actually uh, over the last week and a half or so they've been under water boil orders right so the water they drink the water they bathe with they haven't been able to use it but it's been storming. And so that water system got overwhelmed and overtaken. And that completely wiped out all of that water pressure. So for the last few days, I think for the last two or three days, uh, they haven't had water to drink with, to eat with, no access to water. They've been running out of bottled water. And what's really messed up about Jackson is y'all know Jackson, Mississippi come last in everything. Or really, Mississippi come last in everything. <laughs> yeah, right? And yeah. so it's really unfortunate. It's an unfortunate, an unfortunate case of mismanagement. Um, we know that Jackson is both the capital of Mississippi, but it's also 83% black. So it has a lot of uh, uh, kind of tentacles that go back to Flint. It's not kind of Flint instruments, but, but even worse because it's in this major city. And the crazy thing about it is I think they got, I read somewhere that they got like $4.4 billion in like COVID relief money. Like somewhere during the time of this, that state when uh, I think portions, portions of the BBB got passed. Some of that funding went to Mississippi specifically. So a lot of people's outrage is about the mismanagement of those funds from top to bottom. Everybody from federal leadership all the way down to what the mayor and the governor are doing in that state is troubling. So, I mean, have y'all been keeping up with the story? Have y'all been hearing about it? I actually just recently um, heard about it, which is crazy because uh, Rhonda in the chat said Jackson has been boiling water for over a month. I'm late. Governor promised two years ago to fix it. Uh, and so what it, what it, what it, Showed to me was just like like we we look yeah, at instances like what's happening in uh what happened in Flint like, yeah oh that's crazy but this is this is shit that's happening around the country with failing infrastructure but yeah where people not really investing in the community so it's it's uh, unfortunately it's not a surprise but yeah like this I am I I, I was late to the party which kind of show how they you know how much 
media national attention this type of stuff gets. A dangerous combination of structural racism as well as Facts. environmental racism. I mean, we've seen it in the worst ways, and it's only gonna get worse because the infrastructure is poo poo yeah. for what's about to happen with global warming. But we'll get to those conversations a little bit later. Um, want to switch gears in and put on our radar in this vibe check. Uh, over the weekend, I don't know if y'all saw Aries Spears kind of get put on blast for his his two. He had a couple of videos tirading against Lizzo. He was asked in an interview by somebody who I felt like was kind of setting him up to do some of this. Like the way the question was asked, yeah. like, "Hey, what do you think about Lizzo? How do you feel about her music? She's popular now." Sucker solidarity, you know. And Aries uh, Spears, who in in no a valiant shape or position to say these things himself kind of went in on Lizzo talking about her weight, talking about, uh, you know, her friends, like doing her a disservice and how, you know, she doesn't really have people in her corner because people need to tell her she's about to have a heart attack and this, that, and the other, not to mention, right. That the interview was given, he's pouring out sweat. He's struggling to breathe, kind of getting those things out. And this is not to be fat back by any means, but to point out the contradictions we have in talking about looking out for your own health and what your friends should be telling you this, that, and the other. Yeah. Um, and so it sparked a lot of outrage online. And so that was, you know, I, I pointed it out at this story because I feel like everybody stated the obvious on social media. Everybody was like, Aries Spears is tripping. Everybody, you know, like that was the response. But we hadn't really heard about Aries Spears in a lot. He's not really as popular anymore, right? Mm-hmm. He he had his time. Not Matt TV guy. Exactly. His rise Literally. to fame, the race to fame was uh, 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 Matt TV. But he also got to a fight um, on Court Oakland. He did. Yeah, he I watched the clip of that. I've seen that shit afterwards now since he had a whole bunch of energy and rah, rah, rah for, uh, you know, for Lizzo. But then when that dude was talking about going upside his head, he played possum. That's what we say, Brian. He played <laughs> possum. He ain't, he ain't trying to fight back. You do, you know what I'm saying? But listen. Well, and too, it wasn't like zero getting jumped either. It was like one dude. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I brought up this story for twofold. One, because it was beautiful to see how many people were just really kind of sick and tired of the played out jokes toward Lizzo. It's dead. It's tired. This is not 2020, 2019. Like, come up with some new material. But more importantly, Aries Spears, who had crept his way into our conversations over the weekend, Crap. has continued to stay in the news. There is an article from the Daily Beast that was released today. And Daily Beast is considered... Borderline That's reputable. Right. They, they, in, the, in the age of internet, you know, in the age of, it's up there. And, yeah. and, and and here's what's wild. Apparently, he and Tiffany Haddish have been accused of sexual child abuse. Um, this is a story that just Bob was released. Chick, Bob Chick. Uh, within the last few hours, and so I still uh, I've only read pieces of the article. I want to get more into it. There's a lot of conversations about what's been happening now, but. Um, that's a story to look out for. I'm putting it on your radar because we might be revisiting it later and really pack, un, un, unpacking what is happening behind the curtains so in, in Hollywood. We hear stories all the time, but to know that some of these black uh, entertainers who we have given credit to or that we end up talking about in very, uh, uh, very superficial ways. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But we talk about them in very superficial ways. There might be a little bit more to what they got going on. So stay tuned for that, but I want to put that on your radar. Uh, Next thing I want to talk about is just something wild to me. Uh, and I've been seeing a lot of conversations about this on Twitter, but the baby is back in uh, the news, not necessarily because he has fought somebody else or disrespected somebody else or took like, somebody else's life, took somebody else's life or uh, disrespected the loyalty he had to, to the people he stood beside at one point. Shout out to Megan Stallion. He's not in the news for that, but recently he's in the news because he canceled his New Orleans show. And the reason why he canceled his show is that he had less than 500 people buy tickets to show up to the show. And so with tickets, I think some of them going for as low as $35. Uh, the baby, you know, has clearly kind of maybe seen his peak. I think maybe pissed off enough people, maybe have ruffled enough feathers 
or do y'all think that the music just ain't there no more? Like, what do what do y'all what's y'all take on what happened to the baby? What happened to that? I mean, saying saying it quickly, I seen a video today on TikTok with somebody talking about it as being fast food hip hop. And what they did was correlate fast food and like the quick gratitude of fast food. How you know it's not a, it's, it's it's thrown together very quickly. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste as 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 good afterwards, but it got a job done then. And how when you go back and pretty much they, they talked about the baby specifically as being kind of a fast food rapper. And I think that that's kind of what a lot of different artists kind of fall into a little bit, especially when you start going to like the baby and going to antics. Okay. I mean, for me, you know, when I think about this kind of fast food, these fast food artists, I I, I, I feel like we put up with a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? We let people get away with a lot of stuff. I feel like as much as people were getting tired of the baby kind of having these issues and getting to these altercations or whatever, if the music was there, niggas would have let them slide. Right. And I think right. the fact that this they is copy paste now, every time, every bar, every flow, the same thing. So I, mean, like, I, mean, I mean, years, I'm talking about years ago, y'all, Lee. We was coming back from the Bay Camp, baby. And he was like, man, I can listen to this doing that in the baby. It was like the end of the summer. And he was like, yeah, I've been trying to slap this doing that in the baby. Then I started listening to it. Then maybe six months later, the baby just blew up everywhere. And, and then George is known for that. He's known for like being Catch like, music early. like rich homie Kwan. Young <laughs> the, them the type of niggas George yeah. was listening to. Like, yeah, yeah, I fuck, I fuck with this song. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, like, I, the, the whole point of what I'm getting to is that they usually let people slide, but they're not gonna let you slide if you get trash. And it seems like it's sad to see Both from, what we, off, from yeah. what we started and what we seen in the peaks and the valleys and stuff. It's he he gone. He done fell off. We didn't lost the baby, y'all. The baby's out of here. What happened to that boy? Uh he got got. Um, so and, and let me see, Shamika agrees. We are sick of him, his music and his antics, drama with fights, baby mama drama. He's a murder somebody and rapped that's, about it. He that's she, the whole she, issue. She, she make a tired. That's the whole issue. Sick and tired of being you sick and only, tired. Listen, the drama is like this is like Antonio Brown, right? Just real quick. The drama only goes as far as production. Once the production's up, you don't care about drama no more. Yeah. And then it's just like you you cook. Yeah. Um, last story I want to talk about is obviously the one where we gotta give some love, some respect, gotta give flowers to the one, the only, the winningest American athlete that I believe that there is, uh Serena Williams. Uh, I think her name is, I don't want to mess up her middle name, so I ain't going to say that because I was about to give it the utmost respect, but I'm, yeah. I'm going to hold that and just say Serena Williams is currently participating in her last uh, U.S. Open. Uh, unfortunately, today she lost in doubles with Venus, uh, so that path and that journey through the U.S. Open is now closed, but she is on the way to round number three um, after defeating, and I'm going to get this name correct, uh, number two ranked Annette Contabiet, um, um who is, I, I may be, I don't want to project that either, but the second right tennis player in the world, I, I absolutely cannot pronounce the name of the player that she's going to play again this weekend, um, but I think she's going to win. And so we're rallying for her. Um, she was an underdog in that match, of course, coming in with, against the second player, coming in off a lot of injuries, a lot of slow play, having some issues. But I just want to give some, some, some love to Serena real quick. You know what I'm saying? Because she just she's, – she's, she's, she's amazing and been killing the game. How do you feel about Serena's? How y'all I feel, feel about like, her? I feel like <laughs> I feel like she the goat. Serena like, Williams is the uh, Michael Jordan is the Serena Williams of basketball. That's where we at. You said Serena is the Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan is the Serena Williams of basketball. basketball. That part. Oh, yeah. Tyler helped me pronounce it. He said, "Annette, cut that bitch." And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. I actually, I, I'm with it because it's all about Serena supremacy over here. Annette, so, cut that bitch. Hey, hey, look, if we go with analogies. 
Tamika said the baby is the uh, oh, wait, 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 Antonio wait. Brown. <laughs> I think I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah. What I Man, will Antonio say. Brown was at one point in time one of the best receivers. Oh, that guy. Like, well, listen, that yeah, was my vibe right. check real quick. A lot of the time, we don't really need to get into a whole bunch of the ins and outs of what's on our timelines. We do want to acknowledge the moving and shaking that be happening from week to week. If y'all got stories y'all want us to talk about or get into more deeply, go ahead and drop us in our Instagram. Drop it on our Instagram and make sure you're following us at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show on IG. We'll go ahead and take that uh, topic into consideration, see what we do with it. Maybe we shout it out in the vibe check. Maybe we get into it. But either way, keep us on the same radar you want. We want to talk about what you're talking about right. and chop it up about it. You feel me? Right. That's it. Yeah. Um, now, with that being said, what we, we, we said we were going to call this the... Um, what up, Nico? The entertainment shop. The entertainment shop. Absolutely. So we're talking about hoes. We're talking mm-hmm. about Jay-Z. Jay-Z. So let's go ahead and get into the entertainment shop for the night. Uh, Jay-Z has made an appearance on, uh, what is it called, Twitter Spaces. Anybody familiar with Clubhouse? Uh, Twitter came up with their own version of it, and it's called Spaces. I think mm-hmm. it was hosted by DJ Khaled. And oddly enough, everybody's favorite capitalist went on a rant about people demonizing capitalism, mm-hmm. right? Um a, a, a few of the things that he spoke about specifically, uh, he talked about being from Marcy Project. And the argument that Jay-Z made was that now that we are making money, we, when he, he said black people, mm-hmm. we, found ma- we found ways to become millionaires without their help, right? With, with, with everything that's been, put, that's been put against black people, we've still found ways to pull ourselves by our bootstraps. I, and this is language that he used specifically. This definitely language they use. He said, "He said, you know, the American dream, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, mm-hmm. right?" And it sounded like he was repeating the things that he he's heard growing up in America, but it doesn't change. Is what he said. Right, right. So, Hove was he went on to say that all this eat the rich rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And he used that phrase specifically. He said, "You hear people say eat the rich, right?" Now that we've become millionaires. And, and what he did is he specifically argued that capitalism for black people is not a bad thing. We've now found ways to become millionaires. We've found ways to create generational wealth outside of what they allowed us to do. Sure. Now, again, let's, let's, let's remember, Jay-Z is a rapper. I'll get to why that kind of cuts into his point in a second. But... From, from his perspective, as somebody who, whose wife has been able to wear the Tiffany down, capitalism, they want y'all talking about eat the rich, but it's only after we then got money. Right? So what Jay-Z is essentially arguing is that we've entered into this new age, this new realm, this new era uh-huh. of black capitalism. Do y'all agree? I want to know from y'all in the chat. Y'all, Lee, Toya, are we in the age of black capitalism? Are we in the era of black capitalism? Hell no, nah, we in the era of black capitalism. <laughs> it, and too, it, it, it saddened me when I heard Jay-Z say that. Because I remember one of his lyrics that he had in the, uh, the shit he had with Kanye West about him rising the day that Fred Hampton died. So for me, the whole time listening to it, I'm just thinking about all of the black leaders that he's evoked. 
that has been always very anti-capitalist, not only anti-capitalist, has called out the shit that he's trying to commemorate. Like, literally, Malcolm X has videos, and Freddie Hampton has videos of calling niggas bootlickers, of calling them capitalism. Fred Hampton literally has a whole quote where he, a whole rant, where he goes off and says, we can't save black people with black capitalism. We have to do with black socialism. This is like, no, no, I was about to say to you, like there is so much. Like, black yeah. Panthers is like a socialist organization. There was a, not, not only were there a socialist organization, it shows you how Jay-Z is lost in the sauce of centering himself. Fam, the Black Panthers was criticizing niggas like you of their time. All right, cool. I feel like I- You think hip hop- Jay, Jazz been there. I, I should. Well, no, you good. I, I just want to say, like, I feel like there was a quote from Fred Hampton Jr. where he called him Slave Z. <laughs> like he, like, bro, you don't even move how my father and how my ancestors walk. Like we, yeah, you know, like two very I different mean. trees, not even two different branches, but we don't even move the same. Like your whole mentality from the rooter to the tutor is just really messed up. And so I think that speaks a lot to it. You asked the question. Uh, you know, are, are we, we in the age of black capitalism? And I think we are in the age of hyper black consumerism. Mm. And so it's not, I think it's so subverted. It's so kind of. Before you go into what it is, when you say hyper black consumerism, yeah. I think Ooh. I think we're in a position where black people finally have enough money to participate and to show off a whole lot more of the materialistic kind of things that represent wealth. But there are still huge gaps and huge holes in anything that allows for us to be in a position to claim black capitalism as something that benefits us. Like, I don't think that there there's still so many black people who don't give. They only have things for you to buy. They only have things for you to consume. We are in a society where everybody's trying to sell something. Everybody's right. trying to present something to you. We are implicated in that particular yeah. system in a lot of different yeah. ways, and right? We, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, Spotify and uh, Apple Podcast. Me and George literally have careers, and, and Damo too. We part. We we exist in the uh, so in the public sphere as professional speakers, right? We literally sell our voices, what we have to say, things that you've probably heard a million times. <laughs> as a collective, things right. you probably heard a thousand different times. We're gonna give it to you a thousand and one times because we want you to buy into how we talk about those things, right? And that is not necessary. I don't think I'm making a referendum on whether that's good or bad because I feel like there's levels and layers to all of it. But what I will say is it is because we have been put in a position within capitalism to hyper consume things and to make sure consumption happens and to not really look at the implications of what it takes to be at the various side of consumerism in this particular equation. And so, you know. And then he said, he's saying this shit though. We, that y'all have invented the word capitalism to basically demonize rich black people. That's basically what he said. You see what I'm saying? And for me, it's just like, fam, I just happen to have a degree in African American studies. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just like, you do a lot of intellectual capping in your lyrics by getting a lot of people to believe you're doing this reading that you have a certain level of awareness of what you rapping about. Because in my mind, it's like, my nigga, when you said that you rose the same day that Fred Hampton died, you said it with your chest and you enunciated it very hardly. So I thought that you was aware yeah. of the legacy of Fred Hampton. So for you to say that the shit just got invented, it's like, hey, Fred Hampton, the reason why they killed that nigga at, 20, at 21 is because he had a mean ass criticism against capitalism. Yeah. Now, I, I, now we're we going to get into the rhetoric. Right. So when you talk about, like, you know, criticizing capitalism at a time when um not only that we made the, the word cap y'all made this word up like 
What does it mean for you to say, yeah, you made the word of capitalism in 2022? Nigga, Marx was right. You know what I'm saying? Google capitalism and see which white Germans pop up that have been having these conversations for decades. Then, like, Malcolm X was literally calling niggas bootlickers because of what they were doing. He, he called he called Malcolm, he called Martin Luther King a sellout. Why? Because he believed his position in capitalism was literally selling his skills as a public speaker to get proximity to the government that was coming at the expense of black people. Yeah. That was Malcolm X's literal argument. So it's like, man, what the fuck you mean, bro? In 2022, talking about this. I mean, I think one of the most unfortunate things about I think Jay-Z's relationship to capitalism is that he does and has taken up so much so much space as this black quintessential intellectual for the new age of what blackness looks like. Like, what, what am I tripping? Did he come out with some? No, that was Kanye with, with his uh, new black slaves or like new black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was more Kanye. But Jay-Z, I think from 444 to, you know what I'm saying? He started to really get a whole black, lot I'm of, OJ. yeah, I'm not black, I'm OJ, which somebody had mentioned in the comments. Like, he's he's been able to take up real estate and oh, the old? landscape of, of, of progressive black thought and it is an injection of all of the black thi- bad yes. things that got us to need progressive black thought in the first place because we fell into traps that weren't intrinsic to what we've ever done to survive or create community or lean on each other or be- become strong or resilient or even thrive. Not even to have to survive and be resilient, but to literally thrive. As black people, we ain't ever really had to do a lot of those. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's weird. It's weird. And this is in a world where I ain't hating on nobody's back or their ability to get to it. But you got to be careful how you're moving and how you're talking and the politics that you're representing because it's not, it's dangerous. It's not as many black millionaires as you think. It's some and it's growing. But I think the misconception that yeah. it's that easy, that the path to it is so attainable or accessible is the recyclable kind of jargon about the shit that gets people lost in the, the, the sauce. Of what black capitalism really yeah, is. Say, hey, it's, it's a clip right here for sure. And this clip will make sure you put it. We cannot make it where the collective of black people yeah. is firing in because a few individuals have been mobilized by capitalism. The collective of black folks can't buy into capitalism because a couple of niggas, you know what I'm saying, is able to say they're billionaires. Like that's to me is like a the ultimate idea of being a sellout. What 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 MLK said? I fear that I've led my people into a burning house, and I feel like that's kind of what it is. And you force people to kind of play by the framework of participating in the the intricacies of black capitalism. Because the bottom line of it is, you have to have a separation between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. That's why first. You, you got to have a separation between the people who got it and the people who don't. People who are the producers and the people who sit in and only consume what those people do. That is how capitalism becomes a functional system. So it's always a people to take. You have to be people who take L's in that system. You know what I mean? You don't look like us. And make sure there's another clip right here, too. Listen. And that's not going to change. We got a little echo going on. Yeah, I'm going to get some shit. But listen, now. After after we, we get the echo done, you're not gonna hustle your way out of oppression. You feel what I'm saying? You're not gonna save your way out of white supremacy. You're not gonna nickel and dime your way out of police brutality. You see what I'm saying? You're not gonna goddamn stock and invest your way out of blackness. They don't work that way. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm hearing from what I'm hearing from y'all though is essentially the idea that we are in this age of black capitalism needs to be called into question. But opponents of what y'all are saying right now would argue 
that you got more black people making money now than at any other time in history right and the odd thing about what jay-z is saying at this point is that he's making that same argument now he's he's making the argument but a lot but still acknowledging that there's been a system set up that doesn't allow for black people to succeed yeah he like if, if you listen to the position that he make on on, on uh what's it called twitter spaces twitter spaces he's consistently saying they've gotten in the way right we found ways to do it without their permission right however out of 700 something uh out of 724 billionaires in america only seven are black out of 724 billionaires yeah. in america like what are we talking mm-hmm. about man only seven are black what are we talking about so seven we, and we talked about inflation last week right out of 700 it's seven we talked about inflation last week right? we did i think i think what jay-z is speaking to particularly right and and correct me if i'm wrong but there are probably more black black millionaires now than they've ever been true but in an age when we dealing with inflation the way we dealing with inflation that billionaire status reflect a millionaire status exactly. from a time long ago and not only that it's like when you recognize when, when you highlight the top you gotta highlight the bottom as well we had i would argue and i'm looking up somebody look it up but you probably have more black people in poverty than you ever had as well so when you try to highlight this is like what we're talking we know that the, the disparities between the have and have nots has exponentially grown since the 60s you know what i'm saying yeah so it's like when we think about wealth it's like when you want to highlight people on the top you can't highlight people at the top at the expense of ignoring folks at the bottom can i also stay a difficult but obvious uh pill to swallow the pandemic set niggas back for years Agreed. who suffered worse educationally our kids. our kids who suffered the most in terms of employment black women specifically but black people overall have been the slowest yeah. to return back to the workforce and a lot of their participation in that same workforce where they're supposed to become these millionaires is in public services in places like fast food and retail and stuff like that where they lost them to their jobs and haven't gotten them back they these are also the same black women in the same black families have had to make decisions about whether they return back to employment or how they facilitate child care because we have a piss poor system of child care in our country so they lost a lot of those capabilities not to mention the cost of daycare consistently goes through the roof you put on top of that inflation and you have a whole squad of people that have been pushed back even further and we have not seen the implications of it because we're still in the pandemic but I've listened I've listened to news reports and read stories all over the place about how prolific the impacts of this pandemic will be for the strides that were being made toward income uh, 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 equality or equity, rather. And so th- this is a perfect example of the fact that the, the starting line or the finish line would always keep moving, right? The goalposts will always kind of shift for Black people. I think the wealth gap grew, if I'm not mistaken, over those two years and allowed for white people to be in a much more dominant position economically than black people in this country so we haven't even looked at the implications of what the pandemic very really did in terms of the structural violence that was already there and that's so, just the facts well let me ask you this how do y'all feel about the phrase black capitalism here's why right? I, th- I mm-hmm. think we, 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 we all come from a similar background and, and understanding but we look at it like Capitalism has its basis, and, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong or if y'all disagree. 
the basis of capitalism specifically in the United States is and was chattel slavery, transatlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. So that, that creates a unique relationship with black people. Makes with the colonialism. Without colonialism, you don't have slave. Like slavery yeah. was the evolution of, yeah. it went from raping the land yeah. to raping cultures. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. That surplus of wealth came me down without slavery. Agreed. So when we, when, when we understand how capitalism functions in the United States, can you be a black capitalist? Hey man, listen. Jay Z said that the one. I, mean, I remember one line. He said that the, the he said the more we go up, it ain't that many of us. He said no, less is more. It's yeah, plenty, plenty of us. Plenty of us. Mm-hmm. So no, he, me, said, he said. He said. Uh, what the bar was? What the bar was? What the bar was? You got that, it. That was good enough. That was good. Enough. <laughs> nah, because I can't even. It ain't. It ain't. Some shit like yeah. But I remember the line. That nigga less is more, baby. It's plenty of us. Some yeah, shit like that. Yeah, but listen though, to me, when it comes to you asking that question, what I know is that Jay Z is really planting the seed to make a lot of black people bootlickers. There are a lot of hundred heirs, goddamn thousandaires, yeah. that are doing the bidding for millionaires and billionaires. Jay-Z is a billionaire that know he has the ears of a lot of broke-ass people like myself and people that's more that's not like myself. You feel what I'm saying? That's going to take every word he's saying and hold on to it. So when he talking that shit on Twitter space about eating the rich and we got this, that, and the other, yeah, the idea of being a black capitalist, if we being real, the existence of reality, ain't that many black capitalists. Yeah. Because if you get a paycheck, you're not a black capitalist. You're a worker. You see what I'm saying? It's a difference between a proletarian and a bourgeoisie. Yeah. So if you're a proletarian in a working class, hang that capitalist bullshit up, man. All you're doing is being a bootstrapper, a bootlicker, and really in hood terms, a sellout. Yeah. Like, my nigga, young people don't care about you. But that's your question, no. <laughs> nah. Not at all. So, I mean, let's see. Uh, Miss Mr. Z, and I don't want to hijack your, your topic. No, 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 no. I, I wanted to. I wanted to go ahead. And let yeah, let's look at this. Uh, can black capitalism save black people and be liberatory, or will black capitalism turn black capitalists or elite blacks into anti-black blacks? There's a lot of blackness in there. I'll read it one more time because I think I understood it. Can black capitalism save black people and be liberatory? So can black people black black capitalism be good, or will black capitalism turn into black capitalists or elite blacks into anti-black blacks? And, and, this is uh, a question about intersections between anti between anti blackness and, and, and capitalism. No, I mean so the way that I'll answer it, the way that I'll answer it is like this. Because of what capitalism values, I think capitalism is uniquely parasitic to culture, any culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we say yeah. white people don't have culture, but I mean that's yeah, because they, they threw it away. Like they abandoned it for capitalism for, for money. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So domination and power. Exactly. So what happens is, like, there's the, either you're working to the benefit of the culture that you that you relate to, that you are part of, or you're working for the benefit of uh, of, of a capitalist advantage. Right. You know what I mean, you either building the people that you're working with, or you using those people to make more money. Unfortunately, when we look at shit like the rap game, when we look at rap music, most of the people that Jay Z rap again, we talking about the, like Jay Z's a part of the one percent. He rapping to 99% of motherfuckers that have never lived but see the oh, type God, of lifestyle man. that he sees. Right? I never see the money Jay-Z had. And so when we 
we don't even have to like we don't even have to like pontificate and like kind of wonder yeah you know i mean about what though like uh, about the impact of black capitalism on, on black people because it always has to do with what i've been able to do right you know what I'm saying? even even in this even in this rant jay-z talked a lot about him coming from marcy projects and him being able to get to where he I is. Have a question uh no, no, no. Just, just, when we, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but but so so to put uh, to put the period on that. So to answer the question, when we talk about, uh, yeah, you going right to the side. I got it plugged up. Uh, so when we're talking about the thing, is when we're talking about the question of whether or not you know black crap capitalism will unique uh, or or uh, inherently turn into black uh, uh, elitism. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, black elitism. I think it's an inevitable. It's a, it's an it's an inevitability. It's going to happen because the the value system of capitalism tells you that that profit should be valued yeah. over everything else. Yeah, individuality over the collective. Uh, always on the value this. To me, I feel like to answer the question to add on what you're saying, I would make a distinction between black people surviving in capitalism. And saying that because black people survive in capitalism, it must be good. Yeah. I think that a lot of times we can blame survivability with being able to progress or survivability with something being good. And it's like, yeah, listen, man, our people know how to turn lemons into lemonade. We know how to, you know what I'm saying, do the least out the most. So it's like the idea of us, us being able to own homes or have jewelry or have cars or have, you know what I'm saying, in capitalism, it doesn't mean it's good. You know what I'm saying? And I think that when you ask the question, it's like, no. Nah, Capitalism as a system of domination and power will always have a parasitic relationship to blackness and black people. And always will have black people being seen as a commodity or us being locked into some type of system of commodification. You know what I'm saying? That would be my argument to answer that question. But I think that it doesn't mean that black people cannot survive in capitalism. But I think that it has to be a certain time when we got to say, like, man, I'm tired of surviving. I want to thrive as well. And I believe that capitalism is not the system for us to do that. So the uh, the next question I I ask as we uh, kind of work through this, um, okay, yeah, because I don't maybe we just froze up. Um, I froze up. Okay. Yeah, we should we, we should we should be straight. Still uh, maybe. So the next question that I'll ask though is, is black capitalism a good orientation to have towards money? Right? Is that like? As black people, I think that I will answer your question with a question by posing the question: Can you take down the master's house with the master's tools? And really, how you answer that question—that's probably going to inform how you will answer the question that the political plug just posed. But if you believe, yeah, I, I answer. Bro, that. But, see, but see, this is the thing, though. This is the thing. That, when it. you ask that question, that—that's up for me. I think that I think that embracing capitalism like that means that. Because how we understand capitalism is, is inherently fucked up, right? Like we get it from uh, we get it from. I mean, we, we get it from the plantation, right? That's that's what that's what we get it from. So, so yeah, I want to ask you this: say capitalism is inherently fucked up. Yeah, but and so and so what I want, so Toya, what I want, what I want to understand from you is if we know that capitalism so comes from the uh, come from the plantation. Is it possible for it to be a productive orientation? Because I mean, a lot of people will tell you, like, hey, you're not getting nothing done without it, 
right? And so regardless of its relationship with the plantation, can we look past that in order to create the type of circumstances where we, we benefited from? My short answer is probably not. Um, <laughs> I'm familiar with this, this, this phrase or this quote. And, you know, I'm a little church child, so I'm going to go ahead and, and rely on it. But it simply asks the question, how do you know a truth about a fruit that it bears? Right. Mm. And so I think when we mm. go back and trace back the fruits that. of capitalism and we see kind of the what it's rooted in, I don't think you can delink those two. Right. We've seen what it can produce and what it creates in the underside of it. And so I don't think that it's, it's, its origin or its basis or its roots is going to be something that is redeemable either. My question for you. Well, and I, I have an idea and I'm going to toss this question out and then go finish what I was doing because we got a power issue. My question for y'all, though, is, OK, we it, it sounds like we giving black capitalists or just black people with a lot of money, a lot of responsibility. And so in a lot of ways, it's like these people are talented. They He did come about the Marcy Projects. He did figure out a way to, you know, sell what water to a well or salt to a snail and, you mm-hmm. know, create a way and a path to you know, become a businessman. So how much is too much money? Like we we mad about the billion and how it's being spent. Take a seat, talk to us real quick. I'm, I'm good. I got it. I got it. Take a seat. Talk. I I got it. Take a seat. Talk to us real quick. If that is the case, like how much is too much money, and uh, like when should he have to stop? Like when 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 should be enough money to where he should be satisfied? They should be good, and more of his money should be going out outward. I, I, to me, I think that the answer to the question, I think that I won't even try to sit around and think about like, man, you know what? A, a one billion capital off, you should be good. Don't make any more money. I see it as once you start to try to universalize your experience and your reality and try to say, because you think about it, the, the clip that I heard was Jay-Z trying to universalize his experience and his reality financially. They said, when we, nah, bro, ain't no we, fam, man, too, listen. This is not to take away from none of the philanthropist things that Jay-Z has done when it comes to belling people out. When it, it takes away from none of that at all. However, there is no we, you know what I'm saying, in terms of what he's benefiting from financially. So for me, it's like the issue with what he said was not him speaking for himself. It was that when he kind of made what he's going through for the collective and made it for the universal of black people, they say that when we start become millionaires and billionaires, then all of a sudden it is bad. It's like, listen, it is a fact that financial disparities has literally heightened exponentially since, you know what I'm saying, he was born. So for him to automatically only want to highlight there's more millionaires without highlight there's more black people that literally have less than white folks have, it's like, fam, when you say we, who you talking about? And, and the I less is many, less is plenty of the shit. That's like some elite shit. We allow who you speak French now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but look, and, and, and this is where this is where I, I find the concept behind black capitalism to be kind of productive because the, the, counterproductive too. Counterproductive. It's because the the relationship that black people have, like our our cultural capital, has always been a matter of survival. Yeah. Cultural capital has always been a matter of survival, and so where we've seen. The, the worst of black culture is when we abandon cultural capital for greenbacks. Like when we, I, we cultural capital is always in a commodity. And, 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 and commodified to make it different. And this is where Jay-Z does have a responsibility. And, and, and him specifically. Like we we can talk about other billionaires and just the idea that billionaires got to need to pay more. Here's what I mean, but you said we could talk about other billionaires. We got a question. Do you consider uh Rihanna a capitalist? I mean, considering 
her yes. crossover, her. And then, if so, then why do you think Jay Z is labeled a capitalist, but Rihanna is congratulated on being a billionaire in our society? Well, one, we just congratulate capitalists, period. Like, uh, Kylie Jenner was called, like, she made the cover of Forbes, but she was born with a, a multi million dollar trust fund. Right, right. I think I think I think it's a little more nuanced. When I mean, but, but but yeah, but it's it, 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 it's not though because when we look at Fenty Beauty, let's just, let's just look at, look at Fenty for example. Let's. This is where I say that capitalism is uniquely parasitic to culture because what what made Fenty like the big deal was that it had shades for everybody. That means that these women that were traditionally excluded. <laughs> or it was harder for them to 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 find their shade, mm -hmm. right? Not Fenty had you, right? But what did that turn? What what did that turn into? Yes, Rihanna became a billionaire, but a billionaire part of the trillion dollar makeup industry. You see what I'm saying? Neoliberalism makes us believe that once we feel included in commercialism, yeah. like oh damn, they got shades for us now. That's pro black. Net, like so we spending I mean, more money yeah. we spending money the idea is that we're spending money with Rihanna. I mean, but I also think and, and I don't disagree, I but I think I, 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 yeah. I think a lot of the bottom line of it is how you talk about it. But to how cap you but to cap it though. But okay. Yeah, but to cap it. So so the so the point but so the point that I the point that I'm making is that uh -huh. like we're saying that there's value. What what gave Fenty its value, what, what made Rihanna a billionaire, sure, was the inclusion of other colors, you know what I'm saying? Of, of marginalized of greater palettes for people who but in the grander scheme of like improving the conditions for those marginalized groups, it did nothing. But it benefited from the struggle. The fact that they were traditionally excluded. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. So from that perspective, that's why I'm like it's parasitic because yes, Rihanna became a billionaire, but that same success story can be said for just generally and I think the direction I was going in was I don't disagree with that, right? I think that the, 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 the notions of, of being parasitic are there. I think the way the reason that she gets away with it and he doesn't is the way that she is able to talk about like I think page pages and portraits, I think just drop something that's that's similar to where I'm going. Rihanna is celebrated because of girl boss feminism and the underdog story. Her clothes aren't ethically made, ain't no ain't no way for those prices, right? So, in a lot of ways, in line with what we're talking about. She participates in the worst parts of capitalism, probably in a lot of ways. Fast we have no, too. you know what I'm saying? Fast fashion is what itself. The expanding of all, the, the expansion of all these products made available to y'all consistently is something that we have to consider. But the way that she has talked about and branded her capitalism has allowed for her, her to kind of navigate under the radar and benefit from being this girl boss, being this feminist, being this beautiful mother now, this person who flows against or, or in between different parts of her femininity from, you know, sex symbol to mother to entrepreneur. She's able to do it all. And I mean, I think it's all about branding. And unfortunately, I won't say unfortunately, it's because I'm objective about it, but Jay-Z has chosen a route that has, you know, made him a poster boy for how it is that you kind of get up and get ahead and push that grind mentality and orientation for the world at the expense of whatever, because it's just about kind of getting it. And I won't say whatever, because, you know, we can't ignore the Jay-Z and Beyonce philanthropy. We haven't said her name yet, right? A lot of Twitter feeds have been talking about... Well, I'm, I'm saying her name specifically because a lot of people have been like, you know, y'all fave is probably agreeing wholeheartedly. Like, I'm talking about ten, chin to chest agreeing with a lot of shit that Jay-Z said. Yeah. And that's probably the way she think about it. She just does not talk. She doesn't speak, so she doesn't give y'all the ammunition the, the ammunition to do the criticism that, that we do in the Jay-Z. 
And Jay Z just like I'm rich enough to take it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Jay Z probably and Pillow talked about the shit that he said on Twitter Space. Look, keeping it a stack. You know what I'm saying, what's the question we asking right now? About our our orientation towards black capitalism, like is it productive for black people? I, like, is is the black capitalist orientation productive? No, not only is it not productive, I think that Jay Z illustrated how it's not productive because it comes with a real marginalization of the people experience that you claim you representing. So listen, the difference between Jay Z and Rihanna is jay-z chose to opt into the nfl colin kaepernick shit jay-z is choosing to invoke so, yeah. Colin Kaepernick, uh fred fred hampton and huey pete newton and malcolm x and he's choosing to take on these monikers rihanna saying Bitch better have my money you see what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, I mean, so well, listen 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 because i don't think nobody would question fall. whether or not beyonce a capitalist yeah we we, right. we question all that though but i think that what i was trying not to reframe into because i was trying to be mindful of not bringing a black woman into my criticism and critique because she's a local relationship to a black man but i would recognize listen that black okay. feminist shit that beyonce says is supposed to always already have some type of criticism that was like two albums ago though Three albums ago. <laughs> three albums ago. Beyonce was already supposed to be giving us financial criticisms through the lens of feminism that is already calling into question the way that capitalism values femininity. I mean, and you know, I was think already doing it. One of the things you can't forget about Beyonce, and it's one of the more ironic things that I saw on my timeline, is in one breath, a lot of people are calling Break My Soul like this anti-capitalist, hyper-revolutionary, uh uh relief song of liberation you gotta take it because in the, in the same breath on the same timeline people was like man i wonder how much these uh renaissance tickets finna be they finna break me i already know it's about to go crazy you know what i'm saying they haven't started at 750. so come on man Hold like on. the politics is just they but you know the critical uh-huh. thinking. The critical thinking about it. So I don't know. We we we've been talking about Jay Z for a second. I'm gonna toss it back to you to do whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever no, you need no, to no, do no, with yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Let's get a cap on it. We can head to this to uh to this next chop uh before we end up closing out for the night. But I I I mean I, I want to say like we have to understand that capitalism is coercion. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Like yeah. this this conversation is is stemming from the idea that like we live in a capitalist society, therefore to function. Capitalism is required. Mm. Like we pay for water for <laughs> Christ's sake. For crying out loud. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when, we, when we're when we're critical of these things, please understand that we are critical of the value system of capitalism. The ways in which we overvalue the capital capitalists, but undervalue the labor. Like Rihanna is a name. She ain't making makeup. Rockaware is a brand. Jay Z ain't making clothes. Yeah, like, let's let's remember what's happening. So when we talk about the billionaire makeup maker, the billionaire clothes makers, the the billionaire whatever, mm-hmm. there are people who are like literally dedicating their blood, sweat, and tears to survival, and to do so, they work up under Rihanna, they work up under Jay Z, they work up under whatever other the, the Coke brothers, whatever other seven hundred and twenty-four white billionaires. Yeah. Right. So, what, what, whenever there's this conversation of criticizing capitalism, it's always done so we understand that the people that's making the most are doing the least amount of work, and our focus needs to be making sure that we're protecting 
the safety and the value of life of the people that's making these people billionaires in the first place. No problem. So with that being said, we can move on to the next shop. Yeah, man. <laughs> this shop right here is gonna be uh, very uh controversial. There are a lot of different opinions when it comes to talking about black leaders being pro-black and dating or being intimate with non-black people. Okay. Um, as a uh, black, as, as a uh, I guess a black leader, you know, that's that, that has a platform that's married to a, a racially you indigenous. A black yeah, you I was a black leader. Yeah, yeah, I was a black leader. You know, in many different aspects. You know, what I'm saying respectfully, humbly <laughs> saying that, of course. Um, I'm posing the question though. Leader. You know, what I'm saying posing the question. Uh, shout out to my sis Toya G. Um, there was some tweets that caught our attention, right? Um, this guy is the name of at kind-hearted zia so zaya i'm a you know what i mean so uh i don't even know i ain't gonna gender this. i'm gonna say they they said the fact that niggas are just now learning that maya angelo had white husbands is a testament to how powerful the propaganda of black matriarchy truly is uh this is the conscious chop we're gonna explore being black, being a black leader uniquely, and you know, intimately being with non-black people. I mean, I feel, I feel like you, I feel like you approach this topic a little too coy. Let's keep it a whole step. Ask what you really trying to ask. The, 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 the I had to pose it that way first. I don't want to come out too strong. I'm drinking too, so I'm being conscious about how I'm coming up, right? Oh. But listen, the first question is: Can you be black? Uh huh. Or be pro-black uh-huh. and be intimate with a non-black person. Can you be pro-black? Because he, he, he was trying to whisper it. Nigga, you get drinking. You whisper it. No, I wouldn't. Can you, you be, have to be articulate with this? Because you can get you, you, you get real lazy with the verbiage, goddamn. <laughs> I know I can't anyway. So I want to give you this due diligence because I know how the internet is. You know, we live, we streaming. Right. There's ways for people to take little snippets and shit of what you say and listen. Y'all know how I'll be me, me, regardless of what I'm doing, I, I, I want to be 10 toes down on what I said. You feel me? So I want to be able to defend mm-hmm. how I presented it. Absolutely. Look, look, look. My platform at this so, day, so I can be sense. inflammatory. Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to be inflammatory. Can you call yourself pro-black and have a white partner or, or non-black partner? Let's not even, you know, be too overly specific. Uh, so you I've made it inflammatory now. What you got? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I'm gonna ramp this up and then throw it to Toya. Uh, he should have asked that shit himself. Then, well, I feel like he's pretty close to there, right? I feel like, and they're again treating it delicately because, you know, I, I as a queer person, I'm gonna frame the start of this conversation as a queer person, right? Because love what? is love. You can't help what you love, yeah. right? I like consistent politics. I don't like. Uh, uh, cognitive dissonance. If you don't know what it is, look it up. And so I like to try to be consistent with my politics across the board. So my my right mind tells me that it's really kind of hard to undermine the idea that you can't both be uh, invested in the liberation of your people and, and have your fun time how you have your fun time, love who you love, like who you like. The other side of that and what I'm all, I'm often curious about, this is not a criticism, this is a curiosity that I haven't been able to reconcile in myself, is when the rubber meets the road in some context or in some situations, the compromising you just have to have to do. 
right, in order to kind of make it and keep family bonds together or appease their backgrounds and their sensibilities, or there's certain stuff you can't do, can't talk about, can't go hard on that are just not limitations in Black spaces and in Black relationships. And so it forces me to be like, what are you pulling punches on? What are you letting slide? What are you kind of, you know what I'm saying? What are your accountability metrics in your relationship? And I don't want to police nobody else's relationship, but at the same time, if you really about that shit, I got to wonder if you're being consistent 10 toes down. And those are not questions we have to ask ourselves typically when we're dealing with other Black people. I don't want to say that either, because Black people can be anti-Black, right? Yeah, let's, right. Let's, let's, put, let's say that and be yeah, honest mother. about that. Yeah. But it's, it's not as readily a concern that I think dating white people so I or non-black people as a black person so that's where my mind goes is I'm just curious about when the when the plot get thick how your decision making calculus kick because you want to keep peace you want to go bed in your house in your bed next to your you know and then stuff that you bought you want to be eating your groceries in peace at your deck table you don't want to be fussing and fighting with somebody you're supposed to be in a relationship with because of you know some you know mission or cause or movement that you feel like you got to represent 24-7 those are not negotiations I want to make across my breakfast table. That's just me, though. Uh, as inflammatory as I was being, the reason why I needed to be, I needed to be that way is because I have a very milk toast response. Wow, damn. <laughs> I, but, but actually, I started out inflammatory though. I don't. Do I want to be this candid? I do struggle. Um, with interracial relationships to a certain degree, um, because I I I feel like it's it's difficult because I, I've 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 learned and I've grown in in my understanding and my mindset, but I I do find myself falling into like tribalist tendencies. You know what I'm saying? And um. I think I believe ultimately love who you love. That's what I believe ultimately. I don't I don't think like dating like even like dating outside like dating outside of your race is not a personality choice. Dating within your race is not a personality choice. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so fundamentally, who you are don't change based on who you date. Right? Fundamentally. Um but there's this there's this there's this militant side of my understanding. And it, it it causes me to run into a, a few issues when it comes when it comes to this type of stuff because it's like I think about things like certain important things that we as a like as a as as a as a people we understand like certain situations we know how to respond to mm-hmm. right I feel like there are barriers we're having to explain like when we got to be like think on our feet yeah <laughs> but I it's hard ex- to stop and explain <laughs> or describe right i gotta explain yeah. like yo like we hey nah don't even you know what i'm saying like it, it's certain things that we uh uh, uh we got some we got some interesting questions in the comments too that i think are, are kind of yeah, getting into i want to yeah, get into some yeah, of this so pages and portrait says uh to say you need to be with a black partner makes it look like an optics thing where you're using black your black partner for validity points and Tyler agreed with that. So what's y'all take on the idea that, you know, the, the necessity to have a black person is kind of holding up this, I would guess, this 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 narrative of what perfect blackness is? I think both ways go to asking two questions. Hold on, like, hold on, hold on. why are you doing it and what you doing it for? Yeah. But, but to... But, really the same question, but... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but, like, to answer, to, like, 
Barack Obama doesn't become president if. Uh, uh, it's all speculation, though. I think not, that we're dealing with the tangible. No, Barack Obama does not become president if he, if if it ain't for Michelle, right? Because there's a certain there's a certain cultural respect that he got, and there's a certain criticism that he would have been under being a black leader, specifically a black leader in the position that he was in, and not be with a black woman. So. Even if it's going, even if it's even if it's from a perspective of validity, that validity isn't artificial. It, it has to do with kind of like a relationship that we have with our culture. You know what I'm saying? Like a relationship that you have with your people. Yeah. Types of, and it, it, it always may not be true in every instance, but there's when we're talking about again, we're talking about public figures, these are people that we want to fit a particular, we want them to fit a particular narrative, right? We don't really accept public figures. With, with certain types of flaws, we want them to be what we want them to be, and right. sometimes what that relationship looks like defines it. Right on. Okay, so I'm a, I'm reading all the comments, and I want to make sure we stay with some of the interesting questions and some of the more controversial ones. So Nico says, so do you throw out the accomplishments of people like Frederick Douglass uh, because he married a white woman after his black wife died? What do we do with the accomplishments, with the work, with the legacies that these people have clearly contributed? Yeah, black liberation. Like, what do we do with with what they've done? That's why I answer the question for uh, the first question I posed for me answering it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that who you sleeping with, what you do in the bedroom, doesn't dictate what your what you do for the independence politically, socially, economically for black people. And I always think about people like Frederick Douglass. In my mind, there would be it would be not only problematic but almost unethical in many instances to say that this person's legacy for what he did for his people is now erased or is called into question because he married a white woman. And I say that too as not somebody being like, well, I'm married to a white woman. Like, nah, I'm just thinking of, just just thinking of like, okay, when I think about pro-black, this means that you're willing to risk things for the political, social, economic progression of black people. And I think that if you're, if, if you're doing that, it's like, what you're doing in the bedroom, I think doesn't really dictate or define how you are politically, socially, economically progressing. Now, I recognize this. You being able to procreate with a fully black black woman or, you know, a black woman or, you know, what I'm saying, I recognize what that means. I recognize what it means to produce other dark skinned black kids, yeah, which is what I think Mr. Z gets at here. They you know say I think the vast majority of people can't be pro black and have non black partners, especially a white partner living and loving on a black person in the U.S. is hard and therefore more meaningful, which is kind of what you get now. Like you understand the significance of how big it is to, you know, love another black person and to have that love kind of persevere through structural social limitations uh, uh stereotypes about how we love and create intimate relationships that's another big barrier a lot right. of those things and so you saying that if you are able to what so close I'm, saying, I'm saying i'm saying you i feel like if you're able to be married to a non-black person and still wake up in the morning and dedicate your livelihood to the political social economic independence of black people then i don't I, I think that it's trivial and pathological mm-hmm. to call in the question who you sleeping with at night when you wake up in the morning and you throughout your daytime you eat sleeping and breathing black people so for instance the tweet that started this out is i'm gonna be real mm-hmm. as an african-american studies major i did not know that my angelou was married to two white men two, two white men yeah and i feel i'm feeling away by a minute too you feel me but what i recognize is that this not this does not negate her what she literally sleep bread ate to put it like you know what i mean like what so to me it's like yeah because I mean, ultimately it was inconsequential 
basically. Like, like, so that, is that the ultimate question? Like, it's it's not really who you sleep with; is whether or not that undermines, undercuts, and becomes consequential to the practice that you're in. Because suckers do exist. Because I think the the issue that we have is that that we politicize sex, like like, and, and that's a part of the problem. Okay. Like, like our because we're ultimately we're people outside of all the labels and you know what it means to be with who like outside of being black or whatever like i'm me right you know what i'm saying outside of you know you being a queer woman you're you exactly right exactly because, like those labels are things that are external to who we are we have to navigate a society that dictates those labels you know what i mean so when it, but but when it comes to like actually like who you end up with like your politics don't necessarily dictate who's available to you right <laughs> like when you have when you have, you know, like for example, a lot of black women talk about being wanted, right? A lot of black men talk about being wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's certain communities where certain uh, uh, kind of characteristics are, are considered more black than others, right? Because as much as we want to hop down, like, you know, the dudes that be like, oh, you know, man, uh, you know, white women, they the, but it's like, okay, what? What happened, bro? Yeah, you know what I mean. There's always a what happened. You feel oh me? God, and it's and, and, it, and it, it literally stems from a question of not feeling wanted. That's that's outside of the politics. That's outside of somebody like going out front and, and talking about and studying and dedicating their lives to making black people better. Period. As a whole, wow. right? Who when they go home at night when the mics is off. When it ain't when the crowds is gone, when ain't nobody recording no more, when they ain't got nobody writing down what they saying, they still gotta be a person with wants, needs, and desires outside yeah. of everything else. And just because they're they have one set of politics doesn't necessarily mean that they that that in, in that personal life it creates the opportunities for whatever it is that we think people should be with. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's it's understandable. I think it 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 where I even have to, you know, call myself into question when I'm critical of certain things. Yeah, mm-hmm. it literally has to do with I'm thinking about them as that political figure, right? Who they end up with has to do with who they are as a person. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I want to acknowledge too the comments y'all dropping in the chat. I've been looking down. Like, y'all, y'all are definitely y'all having conversations <laughs> with each other. Uh, Chris Walters, uh, hit us up on Instagram uh, at the Chop Up Show. Um, at the chop up show, if you hit us up in our inbox, we can potentially talk about maybe lining up and setting some up with you. Got a podcast called The Difference Between Black and White, um, which is exploring these types of conversations. Yeah. So, some promo for the show, make sure y'all check that out. And apparently, those are things that y'all about to start talking about. So, I don't want to make sure I want to make sure y'all know I'm not skipping over comments, but it's a lot going on because even King Sun says, How do you fortify the black family if you're not with black people to make the black family? Is that that's a valid question? I feel like if that is something, a valid question. you know, that is important, but I will, I think I'm going to answer that question by saying that I think. You know, in a world where, because, and I want to connect this comment to something Tyler said. Tyler says, "That's how the Klan thinks at keep keeping the race pure." And so I'm not, I'm not about that, right? I think we've seen enough evidence of what Black liberation looks like to understand that there's gonna have to be some existence of some other people in order to kind of. I mean, and this is not a dependence. This is not a censoring. This is just the reality of how systems and structures work. If you want to break through them, you're gonna have to have some people who are not black move about the way, give up some shit, make some space do whatever right and so i think when we talk about fortifying the black family um if you don't have black people to make the black family i think we are constantly we have constantly exploded the idea of what 
what normative familial units look like, right? Especially as a queer black woman, like we've always been in a position to, to, to challenge what black, what family units look like. And so I think you can still have a black family and end up having some racially ambiguous, if not black people in yeah. said family, right? I don't think I, I think I've seen a lot of black grandmothers with a lot of bi biracial kids. And I mean, and, and, and this is, the, that's a separate conversation of the new generations and what's happening with blackness. I think that is kind of a, 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 a separate conversation, but at the same time, a lot of black, a lot of black tradition, a lot of black habits, a lot of importance about culture, like those things are being passed down and shared um, along biracial mixed race kids. Right. So I don't want to just count them out and push out mixed kids and, and mixed people from their access and their forward and their push and their investment yeah. and what it looks like to liberate black people. It's a sticky conversation. The conversation. I know this to add to it. This, I, I try to be simple too, really quick. The, the, the one drop rule cuts really both ways. I think that when we talk about moving away from the one drop rule, we got to recognize that you can't, you can't be so caught up in being in opposition to the one drop rule that you damn near reify the other way around. Yeah. So we recognize the one drop rule is predicated off of white racial, you know what I'm saying? White yeah. racial, you feel me? Like a purity. You feel me? They say it's that one drop of black, black blood taints Eurocentrism, taints European blood. What this means is that usually people be like, well, fuck that one drop rule shit. You either black or you ain't. That idea is still rooted in the racial purity because you're then still in many instances trying to create a, a, a authenticity test that says like, well, how black are you really? And I know for me, when I did my little, you know what I'm saying, the DNA test, he get back, he over 10% white. It's like, I got a black mom and a black daddy. Yeah. So it's like, when you start thinking about that, this really makes it where you have the same hubris of that white supremacist that has 10% black or 8% black. And they're fucking going out of their mind because they recognize, like, damn, I'm not as pure as I thought I was. So it's really recognizing their racial purity instance in every instance is really is bad. One one blink, uh, infinite blink. I said one blink, infinite blink. Uh, the one drop rule is the idea that if you have one okay. drop of blood in your body from another race, that automatically makes you that really particularly black people and indigenous yeah. people, it makes you that subservient race, sure. right? So if you have even a speck of Black or native blood in you, you are black, you are native, thus, you don't get access. Oh, no, actually, not the, I swear, remember, but the blood quantum would get you on like how it got to be enough native. So, even yeah, then the way it plays out for black people and native folks is a little bit different. But the idea is that it is a system and a structure that both benefits and creates culture, but it also comes at the expense of in a lot of weird ways that we have to sit and look at because we can't. We got to ask the question, can we burn down the, the master's, you know, house with the master's tools? And that was one tool that was used to really create separations and marginalizations in our society. One other thing I want to talk about in relationship to this topic is that we get really caught up in terms of talking about black leaders or even black people and their ability to be about black life and survivability and stuff like that if they're with white partners. But I think it undermines in the same ways that it doesn't talk about black fathers, the strong, multiplicitous black relationships that are all around us. The many multiple black people who love other black people have relationships with those people, procreate with those black people and are doing things. And I think in the same ways when we get to talking about some of the black stereotypes that we end up emphasizing, like where are the black fathers? We, we ignore the fact that black fathership, active black two, two parent households and are, are on an all time high in black communities, as well as um, uh, black fatherhood. Right, active black fathers in their lives, those numbers are on an uptrend and were never nearly as bad as we were being sold them in the first place. Definitely. Right. Definitely. And so 
I think when we get caught up in these kind of conversations of who's able to be a liberator and how you qualify this, that, and the other, we kind of forget about the fact that this is an all-hands-on-deck thing, and there are plenty of healthy Black relationships and Black people doing beautiful Black things that we can get behind, right? So there's no uh, 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 disparity in, in what we're doing and how we're moving it and kind of pressing forward with the Black agenda, whatever that is. Hey, so, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't make sense. Analogy for this one. My customer's kicking in, right? So if I ask the question, is a German shepherd still a German shepherd if he procreate with a pit bull? Would it make sense? Yeah, okay. but, but see, this is, this is why, All this right. is actually, <laughs> this is the irritating part of having conversations about race. It's not genetic. Yeah, or, or it's, it's, it's not biological. Race, and that's what I mean when I say it's yeah. not genetic. It's like, not they're, they're in, like, we work backwards to say black genes. Our genes are traced back to countries. Yeah. And not even countries. They're traced back to areas. Um, Archaeologists label like whole groups of places. So when we like so when we look at like when we do DNA testing and genes, it'll be like, oh well, you got so many, you got so much DNA that comes back from this area. Well, if that area happens to be in Africa, what do we say? If that area happens to be in Africa, we say that's a black gene. Exactly. It's not a black gene. Yeah. Not yeah. People who existed before the term black describe them. Yeah. That's what they saying. It was people in that time who existed outside of these questions of race. Exactly. And so even when we talk about kids and we talk about being mixed, there is no black gene and no black DNA to mix. It's just race your, it's, is a social. It's a social drug. construct. It's a, you're you're mixing ancestral heritage. Trying to make a trying to make a social construct biological. Right, and we're working. <laughs> and we're and, working. And that's the same thing we criticize. Or yeah, a lot of people can do it. And we're and we're working backwards to do it. Yeah, you you see what I'm saying? And so like because like the, the one thing that uh that uh, and I said this before we move on. And I want to clarify something too before we move oh, on. Yeah, clarify. Um, that that genealogists are pointing out is that. They, they, they're warning, they're, they're telling people, you feel me, we can't look at race as something that has to do with our field. Mm-hmm. Because when we do, we're actually interpolating things onto uh, onto genetics, onto people. That's not a part of it. For example, sickle cell. What do, what do we know about sickle cell? It's a black disease, mm-hmm. right? That's that's how we think it's about it. It's considered to be Right. What it is, though, is also an Indian disease. Very much is. Because the sickle cell gene developed in places that's high in malaria. So any t- so when you have ancestry that come back from places that's high in malaria, right, you have a higher risk of, of sickle cell. So not just black people. Indian people right. have, higher, have to deal with a sickle cell, right? But because we work backwards when it comes to race and science, we want to affirm what we understand about race we then apply racial labels and racial language to things that scientifically ain't got nothing to do with race at all. Exactly. So this means you don't have no hops as a black man, or you do? I got hops. <laughs> I can get up. You know what I'm saying? I'm a fast nigga. I got more speed on me. I want to. I want to make something clear about the conflation between black cross and because I did see y'all's language. I made a false analogy, but in the direction of the general logic of what we were talking about, yeah, right? I, I cleared up. My, and, and I feel like it. Yeah, it got clear. But I want to make sure I'm speaking on behalf of myself in terms of not conflating those two things. My general argument in the direction of what we were saying is that the politics of blood, 
right, is one that has been used to both create systems of inclusion and exclusion that have allowed for systemic marginalizations of people. Where How you feel about them is up to you because there are a lot of people who would stand by things in Native cultures like blood quantum. There are a lot of people who criticize them as very problematic ways of delinking people from uh, their ancestral indigenous backgrounds, the connections between make, creating good Natives and bad Natives because of a lot of decisions that were out of people. Like, there's just a very convoluted history there. And then we have the way that yeah. black people have used the one drop rule to have or determine proximities to blackness, who's in, who's out, who has access to whiteness uh, in the world where, where, where all types of misogynies were happening, right? So there's just a lot of things yeah. to unpack there. I'm just saying the politics of blood have been one that has had prolific impacts on how we understand what it looks like yeah. to be a part of a culture, to be a part of an identity group, to be a part of a race for better or for worse, whether they're socially constructed or not, right? So I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Yeah, let me my main part too real fast. Are uh, we saying is in terms of authenticity tests when it comes to identity that we recognize that blood uniquely has a way of cutting identity? Exactly. We recognize the unique ways in which you can have a little speck of black blood, and that means you're too black. However, when it comes to indigeneity and blood quantum, just you have to prove you have a certain level of blood in you to say you are Indian enough. Exactly. So we see how in both instances we recognize they're both of the opposite of the spectrum. At, on one end, we see having any ounce of blackness means you're black. In terms of indigeneity, it's like, motherfucker, do you have enough no. blood in you <laughs> to say you're indigenous? We recognize, though, one of these is based off of labor. Of course, we want to have more labor. So we're going to justify any ways in which to justify and say we have more labor. Our labor is tied to black skin yeah. and blackness. That so is. if you have an ounce of blackness, you equal more labor. But listen, this indigeneity shit, we slight way really don't acknowledge sovereignty, but we're going to act like we do. So we're going to purposely try to erase indigenous peoples. We're going to do it by saying, yeah, if you mix with some over here, you consider it a mixed blood. Yeah. You don't have enough blood quantum and you in addition to enough. So don't try to play sis. We already cleared that up, but just to make sure. <laughs> just to be sure we're on the same page. Yeah. I hope this analysis makes it where we ain't doing no discursive violence. That part. That's it. Uh, the the, the thing I want to add today, it was a comment um, that pointed out how the drop has to be known. So the one thing I do want to make sure that we that we understand is that when we're talking about this, we're not even talking about necessarily blood for real. We're talking about what your skin and your phenotype look like makes us already know what your blood is made. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So we're talking about like you you people look like ex, people ain't so. doing ancestry testing. <laughs> one, two, three, that's me. Not doing ancestry in the 70s. it, the one drop rule existed. If we know your great great grandmama is is mixed blood. And God damn it, we we know what a group. <laughs> but yeah, really, I mean, really, I feel like we're gonna have a part two. You know, the part two will be so y'all can already think about it. Is how does this cut differently in terms of gender? You know, so I feel like in too. I, I feel like when I first posed this question in our green room, called the green room, the green room. I was a hella heteronormative and set up in the binary. <laughs> I only posed it in terms of black men and black women. Yeah. But for part two. We gonna pose this question. We we'll talk about like interracial dating being intimate with non-black people. We are gonna think about it is like the uniqueness for non-gender binary people, black people that's dating non-black folks, black men, you know what I'm saying, that's dating non-black folks, and black women that's dating non-black folks, and then thinking about like the, the the differences of how we talk about it in our culture. Yeah. But we appreciate y'all. Hey, tell a friend, tell a friend, like, share, comment. You feel me? 
any part of these conversations was nice, you really should like take that little link, you feel me, and then send some people in text message, you know. Uh, screen record the party, put it on TikTok or Instagram or whatever app you like, you know. But this has been the conscious shop, you know. Uh, we're gonna get back in interracial day talking. Yeah, I'm gonna take this out. Uh, we've had a phenomenal conversation with y'all. We came in late and y'all still kicked it with us. So if y'all are part of the late, late, late shift, we got a lot of love for y'all. You know, we had to make sure we came through the night because this don't happen often, right? We don't really get a chance to be in the same space. We got North Hollywood, Orange County, California, and then doggone Houston, Texas in the building. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So the fact that y'all kicked it with us, the fact that y'all made tonight special for us because our brother in the building, just it really feels good. We appreciate y'all. Follow us on the gram at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show, at the Chop Up Show. Um, if y'all start interacting with our tweets more, we'll tweet more. So make sure y'all get on uh, Twitter and find us uh chop up show pod at chop up show pod and uh get with us on there and make sure y'all good remember if y'all got stories y'all want us to talk about hit us in the ig throw us the link talk to us about it and we'll get on there and y'all know if y'all missed any parts of this if you want to replay it if you want to send it it'll be up on apple Podcasts and spotify wherever else you get your podcast even if you just google us uh within the next 48 hours so give us a second to go ahead and get the editing done especially with some of the hiccups we had tonight we're gonna get that stuff figured out and have it up there for y'all to share but it's a lot of love to y'all. It's a lot of appreciation to y'all. I'm your girl, Toya G. Consciously, you know. Hey, it's the political plug. Laura, this is on YouTube right now. Yeah. On YouTube right now. As soon as right soon as we get off, give it a couple seconds to process. Do let YouTube what YouTube do. Do what YouTube do. And yeah, it'll be right there available that. for you. Yeah. All right, bet Chris, we're going to check that message out and follow up with you too as well. We love y'all. Uh, Shoot, we got this thing. Peace up. Y'all know how it go. We're going to close it out. Same way we brought it in. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in the console. Keep the semi when I ride. Little penny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto.